Hey, listen, uh, many of you know, uh, if, if you've been around a while, if not, maybe it's your first time, but Scott England and I like, are hiking the Appalachian Trail along with several other people in the church. And so a lot of people go, Scott, what's it like to have a uh, hike the Appalachian Trail? And we're just doing it in sections. We've got a section coming up pretty soon where we're going to hike from the middle of the Smokies uh, south to, to Fontana Dam, hike about 12 miles a day for about three or four days. And people go, well, what's that like? And, I, and I'll tell you this, right off the bat, we freeze-dried food, which is horrible. Okay, and we drink water from creeks, okay, and, and we filter it, but that's what we do, and I'll be honest with you, the water tastes pretty doggone good, but I will say this, I've never smelled so bad in all my life. Um, you, you hike all day, you get in a single tent, you get in your sleeping bag, your arms hit the top of your sleeping bag, and there's this horrendous odor that comes out from beneath your sleeping bag. It is, it is terrible. You stink. Uh, you're uncomfortable. When you get out of the car on that, that day, when you start your hike, you know, that's the most comfortable you will be. You, you sleep on the ground, or you may sleep in hammocks. You sit on rocks. You sit on stumps. You, you sit on the ground. Um, there, the sleeping conditions aren't bad. There are hammocks, and you know, in the sleep, there are pads you can put under your, underneath your sleeping bag, but often there's a root or a rock. Uh, we have hiked, I'll never forget, one time we were hiking, we, we started out, it was drizzling, then it turned to a mist, then it turned to sleet, then it turned to snow, and then we got above that, and it was clear, but it was freezing. So we got in our tents at about uh, 6 o'clock that evening and stayed in our tents till about 8 o'clock the next morning. We were in our tents for, what was that, 14 hours. It was just crazy. We'll be exhausted, we'll even be angry at times, we'll have, may have blisters, and, and then we'll be sore for days after afterwards. And why do we do it? Because it's awesome. It is, it is awesome. Um, there may be times that we'll doubt ourselves. There'll be times where we're tempted to get off the trail early because uh, we're sore or it's raining so much. But we will see some of the most incredible views that you won't see with a car or, or any other way. We will have great conversations. We will have times of incredible silence. But here's what's always true. Two things we always talk about the most is food, because we're eating garbage, right? We talk about food. We talk about, I never want to go to Golden Corral, but when I'm on that trail, all I can think about is Golden Corral. And then we talk about home. We talk about food, and we talk about home. Now, this trip that's coming up, we've been planning on for a long time. It's been postponed several times, and, and we, we're planning on it. We're talking about it. We, we, we're, we're making, you know, like I said, uh, arrangements for it. But that first step that we take that morning on the trail is always the first step home. Even though we've been looking for it for a year or, or better, that first step is always the first step home. And every step after that, it's always about going home. And as I've been working on this message and I've been addressing this lie that we're going to talk about in just a minute, my, my prayer for every single one of us that maybe needs this, that today will be your first step back home. That today will be the first step that you'll take. Maybe you've been estranged from your Heavenly Father. Maybe you've been distant from the Lord. Or maybe you've never known Him. My prayer today is this. That you're going to take a step. Whether you're online or you're in the room. I'm, I'm praying today that you're going to take a step back to the Father. Now I'll tell you what keeps us from doing that sometimes. 
are the lies we believe. Now, if you're, if you're new here, join us for the first time online. I want, you to, I want to challenge you to go watch some of these other sermons that we've done on the lies we believe. But listen, we believe lies, and there's a reason we believe these lies. We, we have an enemy, Satan, who, who wants us to believe these lies. But that's why we have to remember what Paul says in, in Romans 12, verse 2. He says, don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Now, stop. I'm going to come back to the rest of that. Listen, we tend to think 80% of our thoughts tend to be negative. And they tend to be the same thoughts over and over again. Man, God's saying right here through Paul, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think, then you'll learn to know what God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. The goal of this series, we've been addressing some lies on Sunday mornings, but what my, my heart is and, and what I really want to see happen is that you'll be able to identify lies in your own life. And when all of a sudden you go, hey, why am I thinking that? Man, that is not of God. That is not of the word. That is not true. And then you'll look through Scripture and, and you'll find the Scripture that counters that truth and then you'll think a new thought. But one reason many people don't take that first step back to God is because of one of the lies we believe. And here's this lie. I have to perform for God to love me. I have to be good all the time in order for God to love me. And if I want God to love me more, then I, I've got to be better. I've got to be good. I've got to do more, and I've got to sin less. I can't have any bad days. I can't have any bad moments. I can't have any bad thoughts. I can't have any bad words. We think we have to earn God's love with our good works, with our good behavior. Let's all be honest. We've had a thought like this before. God can't love me because of fill in the blank. Man, there's no way God, God can love me because I did this or I, I said this or I, I, I thought this. Why do we think that? Again, I, I said it earlier, we have an enemy. And listen, and Jesus says, talking about the enemy, he says the thief, he calls him a thief. He says his purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. And Jesus said, that's not my purpose. My purpose is to give them a rich and, and satisfying life. Satan wants you to believe the lie that you are not good enough for God, that you've got to earn his love. Here's the truth, and I, and I hope this will drill down into our souls today. God's love for me, God's love for you, God's love for us is unconditional. It is unconditional. Now, the enemy wants to take that away from us. Listen, God's word says his love is unconditional. And we have to combat that lie with his truth. We can't be passive. We can't be dismissive. We can't choose a, a, a neutrality in this battle because we're at war with the enemy. Now, the truth is God's love for us is unconditional. Listen, here's what we often do. We Satan tells us over and over that God only loves me when I'm good. And we tend to believe that because we tend to allow ourselves to be fined by what we do. You meet somebody new for the first time. You know, you, you, they, they may have moved in down the street. They may have started working where you're working, whatever. But eventually you're going to ask the question, hey, what do you do? What? 
What do we ask him? What do you do? That's what we do. We, we, and then we go, hey, I want you to meet John. He's a car salesman. Hey, I want you to meet Mary. You know, uh, she, she works in finance. You know, whatever. But that's what we do. We tend to define people what we do. Well, we tend to allow ourselves to be defined by our sins. God can't love me because I am whatever the sin may be. That's how we tend to define ourselves. Hey, here's some good news. This is the great news about the gospel of Jesus Christ. You are not defined by your sin, but you are defined by the love of God for you. You are not defined by your sin, but you are defined by God's love for you. Now, for the believer and the unbeliever, here's this truth. God's love for us is unconditional. And there's nothing that you can do or stop doing to make God love you anymore. Truth is, we like that idea, but at the same time, sometimes we struggle with it because it seems like we're just hardwired to be legalistic. We're, we're hardwired to, to work hard. We're hardwired to, to, to prove something to God. We're hardwired to try to earn God's love for us. And we're tempted or, or prone to think that God is hard and that God is unloving. And God is just barely putting up with us. Truth be known, we've all doubted if he's really good. Truth be known, we've all maybe at some point missed God's heart or or misunderstood God's heart. Jesus tells a story in, in John, uh, Luke 15, and we know it as the prodigal son. Charles Dickens calls this the greatest short story ever told. Uh, but at the very beginning of that chapter, it's very important because Jesus is going to tell a series of stories, and here's why he's telling them. He's telling them because he was being criticized for being a friend of, of sinners. And he's being criticized to being, by being a friend of sinners by religious people. They're the ones saying, oh, he's a friend of sinners. What's his problem? And Jesus tells a story because these religious leaders, they totally miss the heart of God and the heart that God has for broken and hurt and sinful people. They, they totally do not know the love God has for people, especially those living in sin. And these were the religious leaders. They had God's law in their head, but they didn't have it in their heart. And you know how you know when doctrine is passed from somebody's head to their heart? Because their love for God and their love for all people grows and continues to grow. Now this story is a story about a wayward son. It's also a story about you. It's a story about me. And it's also a story about God. And he tells them this story, and it's truly shocking to the original hearers. We know it, and if you grew up in church, you know this story. But the original hearers, they were shocked when Jesus told them this story. Shocked according to their current culture. So here's where it starts. First point is this. God's goodness is not dependent upon mine. And you know what I say to that? I say amen to that. I greeted somebody this morning. I said, hey, how are you doing? You know what he said to me? Better than I deserve. We deserve death. (laughs) The fact we can walk on our own two feet is great. But God's goodness is not dependent upon mine. Verse 11, it says this. 
To illustrate this point further, Jesus told him this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. Let's stop for a second. What he's saying here is this. Dad, I wish you were dead. Dad, I wish you were dead. Man, the original hears. man, they're appalled at this. Now they know who the villain of the story is. The villain of the story now is this son who, is, who basically said, Dad, I want you dead and I, I want your stuff. I, I want what's mine. Man, if anything, this is worthy of disownership, if, if not death itself. And the way the father responds shocks him. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. That is not what they would have done at all in this culture. A few days later, the younger son packed up all his belongings and he moved to a distant land and there he wasted all his money and wild living. And about this time, his money ran out. A great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into his field to feed the pigs. This is not just the lowest job for a Jewish man. This would not even be heard of for a Jewish man to feed pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. The son basically tells the father, I wish you were dead. I want your stuff. At this point, that crowd is expecting sort of like a godfather moment. You don't disrespect the family. <laughs> I'm not preaching the rest of the message like that, all right? But what Jesus shared probably left them speechless. You may be a moment in your life where you know you've wronged God. And you might be like the original hearers. You're expecting God to retaliate. The father shows this goodness because he grants the son's request. He divides the inheritance and he allows the son to leave. God does that with us. There are times that you and I have wronged God, and there's times we've been far from God, but we, had, we still experienced some, what we call common grace, the ability to work and, and to eat and, and to live. See, the truth is God is good even when we're not. God, God loves us even when we don't love Him, it seems. Well, then... These guys that are in a world that's built on laws, that's built on rules. I mean, they, they created laws to, to perform the laws that God gave. Jesus blows their mind with this next lesson. God's love was never meant to be earned. The, these are people that wear the memory verses on their tassels, not so they can pull them down and read them so it can be seen. God's love was never meant to be earned. Verse 17, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, talking about the young man, at home even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. 
I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. I would venture to say most of us in this room have had one of those moments, and maybe you're in that moment now, when you realize, man, I have wandered from the Father. And I remember what it was like to be close to the Father. I remember what it was like to enjoy the fellowship of the Father and the Son. I remember what it was like just to enjoy being, spending time with Him in His Word and prayer and church, serving Him through ministry, sharing about Him, whatever it may be. I remember what it was like to be with Him. And we want it back. Or maybe you've never experienced that. But yet you want it to be true. But since we had this hard wiring in us to, to be legalistic, we have this warped sense of earning God's love. We try to do better. We try to be better so that he'll love us or, or, or love us more, accept us, or, or be proud of us. See, the son in this story... He wanted to work his way back into his father's love. Take me back. I'll, I'll, I'll work for you as a, a hired hand. God's love was never meant to be earned. I, I love what, what Paul says here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. He begins, he says, it's not on the screen. He says, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. He didn't say, hey, if you work hard enough, if you are good enough, if you, if you stop all these things right now, then you might be saved. No, if you confess with your mouth, if you believe with your heart, you might be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As Scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. He says, for there's no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For he says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone, not the better ones, not the cream of the crop, not, not those that rise to the top 3%. No, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. See, faith in Christ is not being good enough. Faith in Christ is the path to salvation. Faith is what needed. Now the next scene continues to, to shock his listeners. God loves me unconditionally. What you see here now is the son taking the first steps back home. So he returned home to his father. And listen to what it says. And while he was still a long way off. Now, I want you to catch what the father's doing here. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Gives you the impression that the father's been waiting. Gives you the impression that the father's been watching. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son. The one who wished he was dead. The one who just wanted his stuff. Is coming home. And the father was filled with love and compassion and he ran to his son and embraced him and kissed him. And his son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. He had his speech ready. 
But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. He's reinstating him as son. We must celebrate with a feast for the son of mine was dead and now has returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. And it says, So the party began. For the son that had rejected the father. See how the father responded when the son decided to return home? He didn't even listen to his speech. Have you ever been in trouble with your parents? And, all the, and before you go home, you've got the speech in your head about what you're going to say. All of us. I'll never forget, I got my first speeding ticket. My dad said, when you get a speeding ticket, you might as well just walk in and hand me your driver's license. I was doing 48 and a 35, and I was thinking, how am I going to get out of this? And then finally I decided, you know, I'm just going to walk in and say, here you go. And I did. And you know what my dad did? He looked at it, and he gave it back. The father didn't even listen to the speech. He didn't even ask an, an account of his money. Hey, let me see what you do with my money. But he showed him unrestrained and unconditional love. He ran to him. He ran to him. God runs to people who decide to take the first step back home. God will run to you if you decide to return to Him. Maybe you've believed this lie. I had to perform for God to love me. I think a lot of us in this room have believed that lie or something close to it. And maybe you feel like God wants nothing to do with you. Here's the truth. Listen to Romans 5.8. But God showed his great love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, now understand this. There's, there's two things that I want you to see. First of all, if you're a believer, understand this. While you were a sinner, God showed his great love for us that Christ died for us. That's why we were sinners. That's why we were dead in our sin. How much more does he love us that because we're his children? I'm telling you, he loves us more than he did then. But if you've never called on Jesus Christ, and you've never called on God as your father, I want you to know this. He loves you. He loves you, and the cross proves it. He sent his son Christ to die for those sins. Never forget. God's love for you is unconditional. And because God's love for you is unconditional, how about you taking the first step back home? Well, wherever you may be this morning, now, I don't know what the last week has been like with you and the Father, or the last six months or last six years, whatever it may be. How about today, you take the first step back home and you allow an opportunity to let God run to you. Father God, this is my prayer. 
Lord, we, we're in a crazy world right now. Father, I know the news has all these things about Afghanistan, Father, and Haiti, and Father, again, man, Lord, we pray your, your, your hand upon both the situations. Father, we got COVID r- r- running rampant around the world. But Father, we know the most important thing is this, is men and women returning to you. Father, coming back to you. And so, Father, I know in just a moment, Father, we're, we're, we're going to sing, run to the Father. But Father, I pray during that time that your spirit would speak to your people and that they would return. But Father, also for those who have never called on the name of Jesus, but yet they feel the Father calling them. Father, I pray, Lord, this. Like it says in Romans, that if they believe in their heart that Christ was raised from the dead, they would confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord, that they would be saved. Oh, Lord, we know that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So, Father, I pray today would be a day, God, of people, Father, either returning to you, are coming to you for the first time. Father, whether it's happening in this room or, Father, whether it's happening online. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.